Well, today I want to talk about how Easter, it changes everything. Easter changes everything. We're going to talk about what that means. Have you ever, you ever felt like you missed an important class or an important teaching and you just didn't grasp something? This happened to me in, in, in high school. I was pretty good at math, and so I started getting up to the higher maths, and uh, all of a sudden, I, I think I was sick the day they explained like this process and these core, core ideas for the next steps, and I, I must have missed it because after like missing a day or something, I came back, and I just didn't get it. And, and my teacher just she thought I should get it. She's like, you should just understand. You should just get it, and I didn't, and so I, I missed something. And so it, after that class, it just was really difficult to understand what I was supposed to do. And I think more importantly, why I was supposed to do it. I think I missed the class explaining why that was so important. And so I could get the answers, but it just never really made sense. And I struggled the rest of high school because of that, because I missed a class. Um, when, when I learned to ski, you know, the instructor spends the whole first morning trying to teach us the principles. If you ever learn to ski, if you've got lessons, they spend the good morning just talking about the principles of the mountain, right? The fall line, the, the idea that gravity is going to pull you down to the lowest point. And, and the only way you can stop that is if you cr- use friction, frictional force to kind of direct your, your weight and all that. And they go through these principles. Well, once you get the core idea of something, it's easier to learn what it's all about. And it's easier then to figure out how it works, like flying. Have you ever thought about these huge airplanes? They weigh just tons of weight, right? Metal. And they're up in the sky. And you're thinking, this is kind of interesting. This is kind of weird, right? I mean, there's two enemies of flight. We have gravity and we have drag. So gravity's pulling down, and then the wind, the resistance from the front, the drag is trying to stop it. And the only way you can overcome the, the enemies of flight, of gravity and drag is by, the, by other two of the laws, which is called lift and force, or lift and, and speed, momentum. And the way that planes overcome the law of gravity and the law of drag is by using the law of lift, which they get under their wing, and then the law of speed and, and momentum that keeps propelling them forward. Well, once you get the, the, the core idea of something, like flying, it begins to make more sense. Oh, I get it. And when you break the rule or break the law, then you, you have a plane coming down to the ground because now gravity is back in force and lift is not working and speed is not working, so then the plane crashes. Well, today, I want to talk about the core idea of Christianity because I believe if you can get the core idea, then everything else God is asking will just make more sense. Um, some of you, this might be the first time you hear this. Others of you, you're going to hear this, but I think today it's going to make a lot more sense because there's going to just be something that sticks out and says, oh, I get it. For others, I'm going to give you a way just to celebrate. Man, this is pretty awesome what we celebrate Easter, Easter Sunday. And even give you some language and some tools to be able to tell others when they say, why are you a Christian? You can say, well, here's the core idea. All right? So I know when you, when you get the core idea, it just helps make everything else just make sense. And so we're going to be talking about that. All right? So here's, here's three kind of things I want to walk through when, when it comes to the core idea. And all three of these things are pointing to the core idea. The first thing is he came. All right? This is why we celebrate Christmas, all right? the birth of Christ. This in itself is a miracle. I mean, the fact that he was born, that, that, that whole, the birth part was a miracle. But the fact that the highest of the high, God, creator of everything, would say, you know what? These guys just don't get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them some help. I'm going I'm I'm to show them that I can, I can relate with them. And he, he subjects himself to, into a little body, a little baby, as a little baby. And he grows up with all of our weaknesses, with all of our struggles, okay? And he understands us. That itself is a miracle. And that's when we celebrate Christmas, the incarnation, that God took on uh, flesh and bones, just like you and I. Uh, one, one author, he says, God moved into the neighborhood. It's like he just said, I, I understand what you, I understand your neighborhood. I understand where you're from. And he lived like us. So, so he came, and then we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's an important part of the story. And then he died. This is, this is Good Friday. 
And you say, Good Friday, this guy dies, and we call it good? Why is it good? Well, we'll, t- we'll say, we're going to explain why it's good. But, but this, this, this holiday was, was known as Passover. So people, God invited these, the people of Israel, a nation, uh, to, to join and follow him, to represent him to the world. And he says, I want to use you as a light to the world, to the Gentiles. And so they have this, this we're going to talk about it, Passover, Good Friday, right? And, and that's the, he died. But then today, we proclaim that he's alive. And that's Easter, or we call it Resurrection Sunday. It's the day that the grave is empty. There's nobody in there because he conquered, he conquered death. Which means that we don't have to be afraid of death. It no longer has the final word. So we're going to talk about that. So um, the, the core idea is, let me explain it like this. Have you ever heard of maybe somebody that committed a crime, all right, um, and, and they, they, maybe they got put away and they got out early. They didn't have to pay their full, the full time. Um, or, or while they were in prison, they lived it up, you know, like a, like, like a big shot. Uh, there, was, there was a guy who killed eight, eight nurses in, in uh, Chicago in like the 60s. And uh, it just devastated this, this, this town, this city. And he got put in prison for eight life sentences. Well, while he was in prison, um, he began to, you know, orchestrate all this stuff. And he was just, he was the big dog. He had all the drugs that he wanted to come in. Uh, he had prostitutes come in. He had all this stuff just happening where he was living it up in prison. And when the, the community found out about it, they were just so angry. It was after he died, but they were just angry. Why? Because he really didn't pay for, for, for the, the, the crime he committed. It really wasn't an appropriate payment. And, and, um, and, and we see that sometimes somebody commits crime and they get out early and we're like, hey, that's not fair. He didn't really do the time. I mean, we even have the saying, right? You do the crime, you do the time. Yeah, we have the saying. We know that. If you do the crime, you have to do the time. And so we, we see this sometimes that people do this. Well, the Bible calls it, the, the word for this is atonement, all right? In the Bible, it's, it's an appropriate payment. Atonement is satisfying the demand of justice when a crime has been committed. Somebody does a crime, they have to pay for it. There has to be an appropriate payment. And this is what, it, what atonement is, okay? Um, the, fir- the first part of the core idea, there's two parts to it. Um, the second part of this, you understand this, is, is, is substitution, a substitute. Have you ever been in, in a game, all right? It's a very important game if you're an athlete and you're playing, and you're tired or somebody on your team is tired, and, and, and this team is starting to, to get a little sluggish, and the coach calls a timeout and puts in some fresh legs or some fresh people, right? And it gives this morale to the team, and they start going. We understand what a substitute is. So in, in the middle of this crucial time, when, when you need support, you need help, somebody puts, puts in a, a, sub, a sub, a substitute. Well, this, these two ideas together give us the core idea of, of Christianity. We call it the substitutionary atonement. The idea is God demands justice, all right? He said, he told Adam and Eve, he says, if you eat of this tree and this fruit, there's going to be consequences. Sin always leads to death. It always brings death. And he told them, if you eat, this, if you eat this, this fruit, you will surely die. You're going to die. It's going to bring death. Don't do it. He said, you can eat of all of these trees, just not this one tree. I mean, it would be like God, you know, in the city of Santa Fe, there's all these trees. And he's saying, man, eat of all this fruit. Just not that one on the corner of, of airport and rodeo. That's not a good one. That's going to bring death. And us, like humans, you know, we're like, why is this so interesting? It's like the one small option he gave. And, and, and Eve is tempted. Well, in the story, Adam and Eve sin, okay? They break God's law, which God says there's going to be, be justice demanded of it, an atonement, an appropriate payment. Well, one of the things we skip over sometimes is, is when God addresses them, they find that they're, they're naked and they're ashamed, so they clothe themselves with leaves. Well, the next part of that story, it says that God, he covers them with the skin of an animal, all right? Sin brings leads to death all the time. And so in this story, it's very important because this is leading to what, what, what it's going to mean Jesus dying on the cross for us. 
And so he, he kills this animal. And I, I bet if you were Adam and Eve, you'd be freaking out over this. It's the first time you saw death. You'd be like, God, why, why are you killing that poor animal? Like, he doesn't deserve it. He didn't. No, no, I'm killing it because this is going to cover your, your, your sin. This is going to cover what you did. And, and he takes that animal and, and, and it's a sacrifice and, and he covers them with the skin to represent the covering that, that has to take place, an appropriate payment that has to take place for the sins that we commit. So then the story goes on throughout scriptures and, and God is interacting with his people. And over and over he's saying, hey, don't let your heart turn to that tree. Don't let your heart turn to things that are going to bring death, sin. It's missing the mark. It's missing God's best for our life. He's saying, don't let your heart turn to that. And there's this part of the story where he, he, he has his people of, of Israel and, and they begin to follow him. And they find themselves in this foreign land, in Egypt. And they become slaves for 400 years in another, in another country. And in the middle of this, in the middle of all this, the Egyptians begin to sin against the Israelites. The Israelites begin to sin against the Egyptians. The Israelites begin to sin against each other. And there was just all this mess going on. In the middle of it, God said, this isn't good. I have to rescue my people. So he makes this plan. He brings this, this man named Moses uh, to be a spokesman, to, to come to the king and say, hey, Pharaoh, would you release the people? Let us go back to our homeland. And Pharaoh resists and Pharaoh resists. And, and there's all these miracles that take place. You've probably seen the movie, right? And, um, and, and, and he begins to, to try to rescue his people from, from slavery. Um, and, and there's this, this part where uh, it's, it's finally like God has done all, the, he's done all these different miracles. And, and nothing's really changing the, the king's heart. And so he says this final one. He says, all right, on this night, I'm going to send a death angel, and it's going to kill every firstborn male of everybody that's, that's in the city. And he says, so here's, here's the option, all right? And he gives the people of Israel an option. I'm guessing even maybe some Egyptians the option. He said, if you will cover your house with a perfect spotless lamb, all right, if you go and sacrifice your lamb, and you get the blood of that lamb, and you cover the doorpost, as the angel comes through, it's going to see the blood that's covering that doorpost, and it's going to pass by, and it's going to not take your son. So I can imagine some of these people, you know, like, man, yeah, God's a good God. He's not going to bring judgment. He's, 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 man, he's, he's a loving God. It's not a big deal. And they probably ignored it. And then there's other guys that says, well, God spoke. I think, I think we should do this. I can, I can imagine this man with his son, 15-year-old son. And they're out there looking through the sheep. And, and, and he's looking. He finally finds the prized sheep, you know, the best one. He picks it up. And the son's like, Dad, what are you doing with the sheep? Is he sick? Is he hurt? No, um, we're, we're going to sacrifice him. We need, we need to kill him. But, Dad, he's like our prized lamb. Why would you do that? And the dad looks at him and says, well, it's this sheep or you. All right, let's go with the sheep, right? <laughs> and I can imagine this, this, this dialogue and this play of saying, well, God spoke and, man, he said something, so I'm going to trust that this is really what, what, he, what he wants us to do. And so these families that cover it, it says that, that that night came through and as the morning came, you could hear weeping through the whole city of all these people that lost their firstborn son because they ignored what God said. And this is the picture of Passover, all right, that, the, that the, the death passes by when it sees the blood covering the door of the house. And this is a shadow for Jesus that's going to come. And see, they, and from there, they institute this practice of, of sacrifice, sacri- the sa- sacrificial system, where when somebody does something uh, serious or some kind of crime or sin, they come to the temple and they sacrifice an animal to make appropriate payment, atonement for their sin. And they begin this system over and over where they're sacrificing these animals and trying to say, God, we're so sorry we messed up, and this is it. Well, in the middle of that, the prophet Isaiah, he has this, this, um, this prophecy. This, a prophet is somebody that God speaks to to tell the people something. 
And so God speaks to, the, to Isaiah, who's a prophet, who begins to tell uh, the people of Israel something. And this is what he says. It starts in 52 and it goes through 53. And it says this, the Lord's suffering servant is called, right? He says, see my, see, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one could scarcely know he was a man. He starts talking about Jesus, saying, this, this, this thing's going to happen to this man, my servant. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed, this is 53, one, starting in verse 1, who has believed our message, to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There is nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with deepest grief. He turned our back, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Because all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have all left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honors of the victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. He stood in the gap for you and for me. And I can imagine the people of Israel hearing this. They understand the sacrificial system. And they're saying, wait, wait, we sacrifice animals. You're talking about a man being sacrificed? Isaiah, you're crazy. This is really crazy. You're, you're like a, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a downer. You're making us sad. What, what's going on with you? This is, this is not right. And he begins to talk about a man that's going to come, a suffering Messiah, a servant that's going to, of God that's going to lay down his life as a substitutionary atonement for you and for me. So we have the Passover. And this is what's awesome about the story. The Bible, it's amazing. This book is so, it's brilliant. It's God saying, I want relationship with you. I have a better way for you to live than you ever dreamed of, if you will just trust me and follow me. And it's the story of God interacting with people saying, just trust me, follow me. Man, that way is going to lead you astray and it's not going to be good for you. It's going to bring death. And he's inviting and he's saying, I'm going to stand in the gap. So during, this, this, um, during the, the Passover, they, every year they would, the Israelites would celebrate this tradition, you know, that the, the night that they were freed from slavery. It's awesome. It's a great story. God frees the people of Israelites 
after 400 years of slavery, he frees them, and they go into, their, into, the, to, into the wilderness to begin to make their journey towards their home, country. And every year they celebrate the Passover, saying, remember that? Remember God spoke? And because we covered our door with the blood of a, of a spotless lamb that we were, we were taking care of? Remember that? And they, every year they, during Passover, they would celebrate this. Well, when Jesus comes to the scene, he, he, he begins his ministry about, about 30 years old, three years into it, on a week of Passover, the Holy Week, guess who the spotless lamb that gave his life to cover our sins? It was Jesus. And the same day that they celebrate the, the blood covering the door frame, Jesus dies on a cross on the same exact night, maybe even the same moment as they're sacrificing those sheep to remember Passover, that the death passed through, passed over because we trusted God enough to believe. See, God is a just God, and he says, I demand an appropriate payment for sin. And I understand in your weakness, you're not going to be able to do this. See, the animals, they wouldn't cover entirely. They would just cover for a time period, for a short period of time. And he says, I'm going to send a sacrifice that will cover for all time, for all people. It will be available to anybody who will trust in me, like the people do that night over their door frames. And this is the core idea of what it means to be a Christian, that God is a substitute for our atonement, the substitutionary atonement for our sins, for our wrong. And he dies on a Friday. And that's what the cross is about. In fact, John, 1 John 4.10, John was a, one of the, the disciples that was the closest to Jesus. All right, And over and over, he's talking about God's love for us. And this is what he says in 1 John 4.10. He says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Can you hear John? Saying this, I mean, when, they, when Jesus died, they all thought they were following the wrong guy at first. But here's the difference about Jesus and all the other religious leaders. Is Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die. And it's not going to be a good death. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but don't worry, in three days, I'm going to live again. And he told his disciples over and over that he had to suffer and he had to die. And they were like, no, Jesus, you're the king. And we're going to set up your kingdom here right now. And we're going to kick the Romans out. And we're going to have this great kingdom. He's like, no, guys, you're missing it. I have to die. And I'm going to die at the right, appropriate time. Don't miss it. And his disciples didn't get it for a long time. And then after he dies, and then on Sunday morning, some women that follow Jesus, they go to the tomb. And the angel says, he's not here. Let me give you another translation of 1 John 4.10, and I'll go into that scripture where the angel talks to the ladies. This is from the message. It says, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. See, Ephesians 2.13, Paul says this to the Ephesian church. He says, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. There are crosses all around our world why? It's a really bad symbol, uh, uh, emblem and symbol, right? It'd be like us putting electric chairs all around, like this is the death sentence. That's what it was. It was a horrible way to die. But there was a man 2,000 years ago that died on a cross and shed his blood, right, to cover our sins so the death could pass over because he loves us so much. We are far away from God, but God brought us near to him because of 
the blood. And this teaching can be kind of weird. Some people like to say, like, man, that's just kind of, it's kind of gruesome. It's kind of, but it's a picture of what God is saying. I demand justice, and there has to be an appropriate payment. There has to be an atonement for sins. But I'm going to, can I stand in your place? Can I pay your price? Can I pay your tab? Your bill has been paid if you will just let me pay. But it's your choice. And God invites us into that. See, we have this law of gravity pulling down. We can grab the law of sin. There's this, this desire and drive in us to want to do our own thing all the time. But then there's this law of lift where God comes and says, I'm going to give you an escape to get away from the law and, of sin and death if you'll just learn to apply the principles, if you'll learn the core ideas. And that's what he does for us. He begins to lift us up and help us to soar. Next week, we're going to talk about the next step. So how do you keep staying up? You know, what, what is speed? How does speed overcome drag? Because there's going to be resistance. That's going to be the next week. We're going to do a series that's going to challenge us to say, hey, once you get up, you have to keep going, and this is how you do it. But today we're saying, how can we overcome sin and death? It's through the cross. So he came. That's Christmas, right? He died. That's Passover, Good Friday. Gave his life for us. But he's alive. And that's today. That's Easter. That's, that's the day that, of Resurrection Sunday. It's even interesting that we as Christians, we moved the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Why? Because life began, for all of us, it began to show that Sunday, he's not, he's not dead. Death is conquered. And we begin to worship on Sunday. Not that worshiping on Saturday is bad. I think there's times it's appropriate. But it was just a shift of saying, man, there's something significant happened on a Sunday morning when the ladies went to the tomb. And this is what they, this is what they found. The ladies went to the tomb looking to, for Jesus. And in Matthew 28, 6, the angel says, He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. This is cool. You know why this is really cool? Because Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen, and then it happened just like he said it. You know, I don't know about you, but if somebody could predict their death and tell you how everything's going to play out, and then it happens exactly like, it, like, it, like he said it was, I think I'm going to follow that guy. I think he knows what's going on. He has an understanding. And then when he shows up after he's dead, he shows up to the disciples. You know what he says to them? Hi. That's it. Like, hi. I, I heard one, one pastor, he was trying to teach kids, like, um, about the story of Jesus coming from the, raised up from the grave. And he says, and do you know what the angel told, uh, you know what Jesus told the disciples? And the little girl says, yes. Ta-da. <laughs> and he's like, that's the closest translation we can get to, like, hey, guys. Like, I told you I was going to come back alive. And can you see why the disciples would willingly lay down their lives in horrible ways to follow this teacher who gave his life for you and for me? And it made sense. And they said, I get it. I get it. I've sinned. And because I've sinned, there's a payment that needs to be paid for this. But because you died on that cross, you take my place if I allow you. And we invite God to cover us and forgive us. And that's what Christianity is all about. Isn't that awesome? It's a beautiful picture of a loving God saying, all right, I love you so much. I want to make an escape. I want to make a way for you to have a relationship with me again. And his disciples, here's the other thing. People don't die for lies, right? You're not going to go, and especially horrible deaths, you're not going to be boiled alive for a lie. You're not going to be cut in two for a lie. You're not going to be whipped over and over for a lie. But because they understood and they said, 
man, this story has to be told to everybody because one day we're all going to stand before God when this life is over and he's going to say, hey, what's your payment? Well, I didn't really know there's a payment. I was just doing my own thing. I, I figured we could talk it out. That might not be the best option then. And they said, people have to know that this is serious. And they willingly went to places they got beaten and they got killed and they got persecuted because they said, it is worth giving my life if others can find this message of truth and life. And they did over and over and over. If you read the story of the disciples and how they, they sacrificed their life for this message, it's, it's amazing. It'll make you cry. Not only did they die, but their families died for this message. We see this taking, taking place around our world. Why would people willingly die for, for, for a person who died on the cross and say, yes, I'm a Christian? Horrible what happened in Kenya. But these people are saying, I'm a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that we let God stand in our place. And that's the starting place. And then the next thing is we begin to fly in with him. We begin to live a life that he invites us to live. But it starts by saying, God, I receive your sacrifice for my sin. And we move forward with him. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just like he said he would. Ta-da. Hi, guys. I'm back. Would you go tell everybody else in the world that I love them and what I did for them? And I'm, I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you about all these things I taught you. And he's going to help you to understand every little aspect of, of the scriptures. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to encourage you. And one day, we're going to party in heaven like we've never partied before. You know, at the end of every service, we give opportunities for people to accept Christ as their substitute. And it says that heaven celebrates every time a sinner turns to God and says, forgive me. Every single week, since we started this church, every single week, somebody has turned their heart to God. And that blesses me so much. Easter changes everything. I wouldn't be the person I am if it wasn't for Good Friday and if it wasn't for Easter Sunday. Because I found that there's a better way to live than what the TV tells me. There's a better way to live than what my friends told me. There's a better way to live than the strongest drug and the strongest drink and the greatest pleasure. And God invites us to say, well, you just trust me with your life. And I don't think there's, a better, no, there's not a better way I can live my life than telling people what Jesus did for them, what Jesus did for you. Sir, he loves you. Ma'am, he loves you. Students, he loves you. If there's kids in here, he loves you. So much that this is why he sent his son. This is why we gather on Sundays to celebrate. For some of you, maybe this is the first time that you've heard that. Like, oh, I understand why there's crosses everywhere. I understand why the blood, even though it's weird, I understand what, what that means. There's an appropriate payment. Well, today, now you have to make a decision. Just like those people did back in Egypt. You could stay in the land of slavery, and you can let death come, or you could trust God enough to say, I need an appropriate payment for my sins. I need a covering for my sins. I trust you, God. I trust you, Jesus, in your sacrifice. Would you cover me?
And when death comes, and it passes by and it says, hey, that person's covered by the blood Jesus shed. He's good. It passes on. And we have life. So today we're going we're gonna to pray. Um, would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes and would you uh, just give, give a moment for people that are going to respond today just to kind of be, just be, be ready to respond. Um, today as I spoke about what Easter means and what, what the cross means and how God sent a substitute for you. If you're here today and you say, I need to make things right with God. I want, I want, I want God to be my sacrifice to stand in my gap. If that's you today, in a second, I'm going to lead you to prayer. I'm not going to call you to the front. All I'm going to do is lead you to prayer. But if you're here today and you're saying, it makes sense. I understand this. So there's a lot of people in this room that maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, a couple weeks ago, they made this decision to say, God, I, I need your forgiveness. And they started this journey with God. For some of you, today is that day, Easter Sunday of 2015, the day that you say, God, I'm tired of the law of gravity, of sin pulling me down. I want to experience the law of lift and be able to soar and be the person you created me to be. If you're here today and you'd like to say a prayer with me that just says, God, forgive me of my sins, would you lift your hand? Awesome, right now. Come on, lift your hand. That's you. Anybody else? It's awesome. There's a lot of hands have gone up. It's just a declaration of saying, man, I need God. God, I need you. Is there anybody else? For all you that raised your hands, would you join me in this prayer? For others that have said this prayer before, would you join us just to encourage them? Say, Father God, today I confess that I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Forgive me. Help me to live a life that follows you. A life that you'd be proud of. I invite you today to be my God. To be my boss. Help me. I believe you died on that cross for me. And I believe that the grave is empty. Today we celebrate. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your sacrifice. I receive it in my place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.